Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. I'm Mike Kachapoli. Hello, how's everyone doing? How's everyone? Well, I was just watching something actually. I was just there's some special thing that's going on NBC. It's a it's a show from Britain and it's called it's called The Wheel and um it's like a game show. I think they're testing it out here. I think it's from I think it's from Great Britain. Yeah, I think the show is from Great Britain, and they're trying it out here. And it's on I think five nights a week. It's on all week long, Monday through Friday for for two weeks. And um, I, I think that it's not going to work here. And there's a main reason why this game show isn't going to work here, and that's simply because. <clears throat> There are shows where there's no winner at the end, right? And we know that's not going to work here in this country, right? A show where there's like no winner at the end just isn't going to work in this country. It's just not going to fly. This country needs a winner. There has to be a winner. And you'll notice with most of these game shows, you don't have to win the big pot, but there's got to be something, right? And that's usually why they have these, most of the game shows in this country have like, um, have like lightning rounds. Well, you know what? I, I, as I think about that, I think there's one show that there's no winner. It's called The Wall. And I think maybe that gave them, and that was a very popular, that was a very popular game show, The Wall. It's very popular. Now, the, people don't always win at the end. Sometimes they go home with nothing. And maybe that gave them the idea because that show did well that they could do something like this. But it just kind of falls flat at the end, right? They'll just say, there's no winner tonight. Goodbye. I, I don't know if that's going to work here. I don't know. Like I said, we do need a winner here. We always need a winner in this country. And that really applies, like I was talking about yesterday, to to uh, the uh, uh, Ukraine-Russia uh, war. In that we have to talk about winning and losing, right? We have to give all this money to Ukraine so they can win. We have to give all this mon- money to Zelensky so so he can win. And instead of just, let's say, calling a truce, you know, getting a peace treaty going, which would be better for most of the people if that were the case. But um, we don't, we can't do that in this country. We, we have to have a winner and we have to have a loser. And we always want to be, obviously on the side of the winner. So we are in that position, basically, that it's going to be a situation where this is kind of never ending. I mean, they were talking about a possible peace treaty months ago, right? But where are we now? Will there be a a peace treaty? Is there going to be a peace treaty? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going that way. It seems like it's going the way of where trying to convince ourselves and or the people who want to give the money to Ukraine, who believe in that cause, are trying to convince everybody that they can win the war, that they can absolutely beat, defeat Putin, defeat Russia. And I think if you look at it from a, a, uh, a common sense point of view, I would say that's not going to happen. I understand there are David versus Goliath stories, and they're trying to make this this great David versus versus Goliath story, but it's, it's, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. 
I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's absolutely no way that Russia is going to lose this war. There's no way that Ukraine is going to is going to uh, win this war. It's just it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So what will the eventual what will the eventual end be? What will it look like? What will happen? What will what what what's what's the end of this conflict or war, whatever you want to call it, going to going to look like? And I think that you know, I, I think that when you when you look at it, it's gonna look very, very messy. Either way, it's gonna look incredibly, incredibly, incredibly messy. And that's you know, uh, problematic, you know, it's really problematic because the destruction of course is going to be the people who live in the Ukraine, right? The people who live in the Ukraine um, are going to suffer. They're the ones who are going to suffer the most basically. And that's what's happening right now. They're the ones who are going to suffer and there's basically going to be no resolution that's going to favor them. In other words, what's the country going to look like when all is said and done? And who's going to be coming out on top? Vladimir Putin is going to be leading Russia. Now, there's always talks about Putin's health. We don't know if that's true or not. We don't know if that's if that's lies from within our government. They don't want to make people believe that Putin is unhealthy and is crazy. You know, that, that can all be spin. Psychops, psyops, they call us. So we don't know if that's true or not. But... One thing we know for sure is Zelensky is going to end up on top, no matter what, right? Zelensky is not going to get killed in this thing. There's going to be no taking out of Zelensky. Putin wouldn't dare do that. And helping Zelensky's cause is the fact that he has made himself this big popular celebrity, which makes it even more difficult for Putin to do anything to him. So that's not going to happen. He's going to come out on top. He's going to be wealthy. He's going to be famous. He's going to have assholes in America calling him a hero. He's going to have covers of Vanity Fair. He's going to have all of these things. And what, are his, what is his people going to have? I want you to be able to envision what his people are going to have compared to what he'll end up with. And uh, I, I think that's, that's the main focus, I think, of most people. And also the idea that we're giving so much money. We're in a recession. People here are hurting. Inflation's through the roof. And yet we keep on giving them all this money that's going to hit over $100 billion. And are our interests enough to do that? Our money. Are our interests enough to make Zelensky wealthy and popular? His people are going to suffer anyway. He's not going to win the war. They'll either Ukraine will either be wiped out or they'll be decimated enough. Well, they'll have to have some kind of a peace treaty just to stop the, the destruction, right? And so where will we all be? Where will they be? Forget about where Americans will be. Yes, I, 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 I care about the money. Okay, I care about the ridiculous virtue signaling. All this bothers me, as I spoke about last night. But what I care mostly about are the people in the Ukraine, right? The people in Russia, obviously, there's no problems there. The people in Russia are not going to suffer from this. But the Ukrainian people are the ones we're supposed to care about, right? This is not, and what this has become is a cult of celebrity. Like everything else in this country becomes so dumbed down and stripped down and stupid that's become a cult of celebrity for Zelensky. And 
basically, that's what's going to happen at the end. The guy will be louder to hero, right? They'll put any kind of spin on it, no matter how bad it is for Ukraine, no matter how bad it is for the people of the Ukraine, there will be the spin that he did, what he did was heroic and saved lives, right? This is the same ridiculous spin that people like Fauci, and we'll get to that son of a, you know what, son of a bitch. Why am I, why am I mincing words all of a sudden? We'll get to him later, but that's the spin, right? That the vaccines have saved lives. So what Fauci's actually saying is the vaccine saved lives, therefore he saved lives because he's pushed the vaccine. Now, this is total unmitigated bullshit. And of course, there's no proof of this. There's no facts. There's no evidence that, that says this is what the deal was. But he'll just say that and morons in this country will believe it, just like Zelensky will say and morons in this country will say that he saved lives, right? It, could, it would have been much worse. Ukraine would have been totally destructed, would have been total destruction, would have been annihilated if not for him. That will be the spin. No matter what happens, you see, no matter how many Ukrainians die, right? No matter how many Ukrainian Russian soldiers or Ukrainian citizens die, the spin will be by Zelensky and his spin, his PR machine and the people here in this country who think he's a hero, that he saved lives, okay? Once again, there's no, there'll be absolutely no evidence of that. There'll be absolutely no proof of that. There are no facts that point to that, but they'll say that. They'll just say, no matter how many people died, there would have been so many more dead. Ukraine would have been so, so much more trouble. There'd have been so much more destruction, if not for this hero. And all the money we've, we've given them. They're already saying that, right? That if we, if not for Zelensky and the power of the people there and the army and the money we're giving them and the military weapons we're giving them, if not for that, Russia would have taken over day two, right? It would have been taken two days. Well, there's no proof of that. There's no evidence that points to that. There's also no evidence that points to that's what Putin wanted. Maybe Putin wanted a, a, a very methodical takeover, a very methodical destruction, a very methodical beating that will lead to them having to give in and do some kind of a peace treaty and where Putin will come out on top. But the spin machine will never say that. The spin machine will never admit to that. Just the way the spin machine will never admit to the vaccines being shit or maybe leading to more harm than good. The, the spin machine will never go. The spin machine will always spin the narrative they want, the narrative the deep state wants, the establishment wants. And so that will be the end of this. You can come back to this show when this is actually what happens. When the bombs start flying and they have to go to the peace table because Russia is taking over and they will spin it to make it look like it would have been so much worse. So much worse, if not for Zelensky and the money and the military weapons and everything we've given them. And you and I, we hear this thing of ours, this thing we have, we'll know that was utter bullshit. We'll know that was bullshit. That it was $100 million and counting. Who knows by that time? It could be $200 billion, $200 billion, $300 billion of our money wasted, right? And a false prophet in Zelensky. We'll know all of that. But that will never be the prevailing narrative. That will never be the, the prevailing narrative. And, and, and uh, I was watching, and I mentioned this before, but I was, I was watching Fox and Friends in the morning yesterday, and Will Cain was on filling in for Steve Ducey, and he said that the same things I'm saying, that I don't know if, <laughs> if there's enough American interest to give all the money that we're giving. And the people, and I mentioned this from day one, folks, the people who are telling us that we need to be on the side of the Ukraine, the people who are telling us, the people who are sh telling us that 
Russia bad, Ukraine good, right? Basically, that's what they're saying. Russia awful, U- Ukraine, you know, the victim. Russia, the aggressor, Ukraine, the victim, Putin, the devil, Zelensky, the hero, the saint. The people who are telling us that story, that narrative, are the same people who told us masks work, wear masks. They're the exact same people, the exact same politicians, a lot of them, although there's a Republican bleed over now with this, of course. But the exact same media, the exact same legacy media was telling us the vaccines work, take them, getting back, get us back to normal, 15 days to stop the spread. So the same legacy media that was telling us all those lies just for the last three years, recent history since 2020, are the same people telling us this story, this narrative about Ukraine and Russia. So why should we believe them? These are people that have lied to us in the past. They have lied to us a lot in the recent past. So why should we take their word for it now? Because that's what we do as Americans. We just take the word of the media. Let's just face it. We take the word of the media and the politicians either forward that narrative or, or fight against it, depending on who they are. But the legacy media tells us what to believe. We don't know. None of us are in the Ukraine. And, and when someone goes there and says, this is what's happening, and even when they show it, even when they have cameras pointed at it, we don't know if that's real. We don't know if that's staged. We don't know if they're only showing us 10% of what's happening. We may be just, we may be, be just seeing a sliver in the frame of what's actually happening. And yet, but they tell us, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're seeing. And we either believe them or we don't. And, of course, the majority of Americans always believe the legacy media. That's why the majority of Americans, in, 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 especially in, in cities where there are leftists who tend to believe the legacy media more than people on the right, they wore masks and they continue to wear masks and they take all their vaccines and their boosters and they're you know, flag-waving for Ukraine because they simply buy into the legacy media narrative. Whatever they show us, they believe. And as Will Cain was saying, those of us with a brain, those of us with critical, and Will Cain also mentioned that, what I talk about all the time, critical thinking, just buying a narrative and setting critical thinking aside. That's what we did with COVID. That's what a lot of people did with COVID. That's what the legacy media wanted us to do with COVID. So why should we believe them now? Why should we shut down our critical thinking ability now and just take what they're saying? Russia's awful, evil, satanic, evil empire, Ukraine, underdogs peaceful, beautiful people, great leader. Why should we take that? Why should we Why should we believe that narrative? Why should we believe a narrative pushed by people like Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi who waved that Ukrainian flag as though they were at a fucking soccer match, once again, winning and losing games. There has to be a winner and loser, soccer match. They were waving that Ukrainian flag. Why should we believe them, the same people who lied to us and continue to lie to us about COVID, about vaccines, about masks? It's 90% the same people. Like I said, there is a little bit of a bleed over now with, with, with some Republicans who didn't buy into the COVID narrative, but will always buy into the war machine narrative. But for the most part, like I said, when it comes to the politicians, the celebrities like Rob Reiner and Stephen King and George Takai, you know, the, the usual suspects on Twitter, the Twitter left wing celebrity trolls and the legacy media. It's the same people who just lie to us or basically lying to us basically at the same time. Right. So why should we believe them? I don't see any evidence to believe if the evidence was there. I might say, OK, even the clock is right twice a day. But I, I don't see it. I don't see it. And with their showing me the snippets of what I'm shown from the Ukraine. Remember, Bill, I'll get to you in one second, but remember this. Remember at the beginning of this war, 
Of course, no one talks about this. The legacy media won't talk about this. How much did the legacy media push that bullshit about that Ukrainian, those fighters in the, in the, in the submarine, right? Remember that? These heroes, they all died. They all said, they supposedly all said, fuck you, Russia, and then they got blown away. And then we find out those people are alive and well, all those, all those soldiers are alive and well. That actually never happened that way. But how much was that pushed at the beginning of this war? Now, think about that. Say I'm writing, this is why truth is stranger than fiction or fiction is stranger, stranger than truth, however you look at it. But if I were writing a screenplay and I was writing a screenplay about a military industrial complex and the legacy media that wanted to hook in the American people, right? That wanted to hook in the masses into a war. That's the kind of scene I would write, right? A fake scene, right? Of a, a, a group of soldiers from the country that we want to promote, the country we want to virtue signal about, that was blown away in a moment of total brave, bravery and indignation and look at what those horrible Russian soldiers did to them. They blew them out. And of course, that would hook in, right? So it's no shock. Once again, we talk about screenwriters, but these people have writers. They have people who make up this stuff. It's called fake journalism. It's called fake news. <laughs> They're the writers. They're the screenwriters for this real life story. And so what a great thing to write at the beginning of a war to hook in people to hook in Americans who are maybe leery about war, obviously, after Iraq and Afghanistan. And you, do, you write a story about these brave soldiers who, in a moment of sheer, I mean, think how cinematic that is, right? They pull up, the Russian soldiers are right in front of them, and they say, fuck you, and they get blown out of the water and they all die. Oh, my God. Horrible, Russia. Horrible. And that hooks people in, right? Well, we found out that was totally false because... Someone actually investigated a few weeks later, a couple of months later, and found out those, those soldiers were still alive. Those guys were still alive. And so that never happened that way. But something like that is promoted by the fake news media at the beginning to draw in Americans, to grab them in, to get them on their side. And then the story just goes away. And once again... The, the story about it being fake, the real news story about it being fake and made up, that was a footnote, like on page 37, for a reason. Because they didn't want people to know the truth. So at the same time, they could say, we didn't, at the same time, we know they don't want people to know the truth, that it was a false flag, that it was fake. They can also at the same time say, but, but we cover it, but, but, but we, we covered it on page 24. That's the game they play. Yet when they originally wrote the story, about these brave Ukrainian soldiers. That was on page one for about uh, two weeks. But the quote-unquote retraction, or the real story, it wasn't even a retraction. They never admitted they were wrong, just as they haven't with COVID. The, the, the real story is buried on page 24 for one day, and no one ever really talks about it. You have to go into deep Google to find it. This is the game they play. This is the game the fake news media plays. Willie Bill, do you want to talk? I was just going to go to you. If you want to, if you want to come back on... I was just about to press your button. Yes, I was just about to press your button. Hey, Bill, how you doing tonight? I was going to go and retrieve some things to put in your live chat, and I, I didn't want to miss your inviting me. But <laughs> absolutely right on. And for those uh, who may have not have heard of the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012, 
that lifted the ban in the Smith-Mund Act of 1948, uh, lifted the ban on domestic propaganda by our own State Department if it met their ends. So did that make sense? In other words, so we have this Modernization Act, which fully gives a full legislative ability and backing by our legislature to propagandize us, literally, domestically. Do, do you see what happened here? Yeah. So, yeah. So you're right. They and again, that works through all forms of media, movie, uh, the big five, uh, you know, uh, m legacy media, um, and and again, the legacy media knows this, and they know that's what their function is. And so, they, they, like you said, they can stage anything they want uh, to pull on our emotions to get the support of their. Uh, Ukraine uh, proxy war initially, and then which is what it is. It's you know, not to mention what's really happening on the ground. We we don't know. Do you follow me? Um, right, of course we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. we don't know what's really what's really going on. I mean, <clears throat> I don't. It's 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 so far away, and I guess it's not a big enough conflict in Iraq. Eventually, we had people going in there and showing us exactly what the deal was. Right. We had people going in there and saying there are no weapons of mass destruction. Look, these places that they told us that the 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 intelligence told us. Do you, you remember leading up to the Iraq war, right? You, sure. you look, you turn on CNN or MSNBC or any, any network, and they would show the surveillance. They would show the this, this satellite footage of those places that were supposedly holding the weapons of mass destruction. And there were actual generals who were on the TV station saying, that's the building. Look, those are the buildings where we know the weapons are. And of course, then finally, 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 after who knows what, a year and a half, two years, journalists went in there and they went, this, these are the buildings, they're empty. There's nothing there. <laughs> there, there are no weapons in these buildings. Uh -huh. But for uh -huh. so long, the American public, remember, the American public, and we saw this during Iraq, we, we see this during Ukraine, we saw this during COVID, the American public really believes what they first see and hear, right? That remains their prevailing uh, thoughts and memories about something. So when there are follow-ups later on, the American public doesn't even follow through. They just remember what they're told at the beginning that hooks them in, like the story with the Ukrainian soldiers dying, that hooks them in, and then they're hooked in for good. And any information that comes out later, the weeks and months later, goes right over their heads. Goes right over their heads. Like most people, if I told them, if I said, remember that story about the Ukrainian soldiers? They would think that actually still happened. They yeah. wouldn't know that was retracted. They wouldn't know that was corrected. They'd have no clue. They'll just remember it because the media, that's the game, that's the psychological operations that the, that the legacy media plays. They'll take, uh -huh. a, a, they'll take a false flag thing like that and they'll beat, beat it into the heads, beat it into our heads, put it on page one, put it on page one. It leads the news every night for a week or two weeks and that goes into the American psyche. And then anything that happens after that, that contradicts that original story they don't even hear or they bury it that's what they do once they hook um, americans in once they hook people in they're hooked in for good you know, like like, the, yeah, like go ahead, go ahead. no i was gonna say well, that that ridiculous six feet rule with covid remember at the beginning yeah. they were telling us six feet six feet six feet and then we find out later on that first of all that was total bullshit it was made up there was no scientific backing for that although they made people believe there was and then they changed it about a year later three feet but nobody I know even realizes it was changed to three feet. They still think it's six feet. 
And many and many stores never changed their circles. They kept it at six feet. They never changed it. They never amended it to three feet. So it's whatever comes out first, whatever they, they pound into the American psyche first is what they believe forever. And and they know that. Psychologically, they know that. Yeah, that was, um, was it Joseph, how do you pronounce it? Goebbels, uh, Hitler's sinister minister of culture, uh, I don't know, whatever his title was, mm -hmm. which was tell a lie often enough and loud enough that then people will believe it. That was the psychological programming. Right. Um, right. Uh, how did you pronounce his name? Uh, Mike, I don't, is it Goebbels or Goebbels? I don't remember oh, exactly. Oh, 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 um, you mean the, the Nazi? Goebbels, yeah. Goebbels, Goebbels. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joseph Goebbels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the agenda. And uh, don't forget the weaponizing of psychiatry was not started by Hitler. It was before that. You had the British uh, eugenics uh, uh, and uh, uh, the Western European. Uh, the, this was uh, adopted by Hitler. Do you follow mm -hmm. me? It's, mm -hmm. it's not like he started it. It was, it was um, adopted by Hitler. Absolutely. No, he didn't start it. But he right. certainly used it to his advantage. Oh yeah, you know. And, oh, I'm not going to dispute that. <laughs> yeah. and, it's been used, and it's been used many times since. Right, right. Yeah. Let's yeah. not forget Operation Paperclip. How many uh, the Nazi war criminals we brought under here under Operation Paperclip, and what's going on in Ukraine now with the Azov? Yeah. Uh, uh, battalion C-14 and right sector Bandera's boys. I mean, there was a lot of talk of that in 2017 about defunding any aid to Ukraine because of the Nazi uh, forces that have uh, actively part of their military. Can you mm -hmm. imagine there mm -hmm. being uh, uh, whole segments of our military, uh, some percentage of which was known Nazi uh, flag bearing, uh, patch wearing, uh, tattooed in America? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, absolutely. I know, and and, and it's this is like I said the the constant and in, in, in a little while in a little while I will remember to read Lee Fang's Twitter files part eight, which is basically about the Pentagon's online psyop campaign. Yeah. So these these are all these people. Uh, it's amazing how many Americans don't realize a lot of these people. In, in the CIA, at the Pentagon, the FBI, they have extensive psychological backgrounds. They look oh, to hire right. people with psychological backgrounds in school. They want people who understand these psychological games and how to play them. And Americans will say, oh, yeah, they want to be able to outmaster terrorists and evildoers around the country. No, no, no. It's, it's, to, it's, to, take, it's to take over our minds in this country. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I had a couple of other comments. I know Daniel's waiting, but one thing we need to consider when our U.S. military accounts for X number of dollars sent anywhere. And what happens to the trillions and trillions that the, the Pentagon fails and audits? Where does that go? In other words, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where does that go is right. So whatever numbers you're given, it's kind of like when we get the CPI index. It's all nonsense. It's all well, propaganda. Who the hell some, knows? Something I didn't see, and maybe I missed it. Something I didn't see in any of Zelensky's speech or any reports about his speech, I didn't see him putting up a PowerPoint of where the money's going. Did you see that? <laughs> no. Did you see? I would have been more impressed if he came with a PowerPoint of where all the money's being spent, just as you would. If you were giving this money to – look, if you were giving this money to Sam Bankman-Fried, <laughs> yeah. you would hopefully yeah. want to know where the money was going, although I guess a lot of people didn't care about that either. But – you would think if you give this money to, let's say, a CEO of a company, and that's what Zelensky is, he's the CEO of Ukraine, mm -hmm. you would you would want a, a presentation after a year, year and a half 
where's the money gone? If we're going to give you another $30 billion next month, where is it going to go? Can you PowerPoint this? There was none of that. There was just basically bullshit, rah-rah, political speech, celebrity, you know, a, a celebrity politician who could speak well, like, like, mm-hmm. like Ronald Reagan. And he basically just gave this ridiculously, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess you can call it, you know, um, uh, I'm looking for the word. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm say, um, I don't want to say jingoistic, but you could say jingoistic or speech about how you we, we thank you for what you've done, but we're going to come back to you for more. And when we come back to you for more, we're going to expect you to be all in, right? Oh. You know, this this rah-rah, you're on our side, Team Ukraine, go to, go Team Ukraine. We know we know you fans will be there with us all the way through if you're true fans and true patriots and believe in freedom, right? Believe in freedom and democracy, that you'll be oh, there with no. us no matter what we ask for. He, he said it, right? We're going to ask for this fighter plane, and maybe we'll come back next week and ask for another one. And we expect to get, we expect to get what we asked for. He actually said yeah. something like, I'll come back and I'll ask Biden for more, and he better give it to me. It's ridiculous. You know, and, and these morons like, like Pelosi are calling this one of the best speeches she's ever heard about freedom. Oh. I mean, what a fucking idiot. Seriously. Right, well- <laughs> Well, when Rand Paul said, hey, we need to block sending money till we get make sure things are being audited and we keep track and no, 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 let me make another comment. I know Danny's, Daniel's way, I appreciate his comments. Um, what, what happened with Colonel McGregor, who's a truth teller? What happened when he was on Fox and he started to tell the truth? You got to put an end to that and bring on somebody else to counter him, right? Remember that when early on when Colonel McGregor was kind of outing what's really going on, what's really happening? Yes. And so gone. How about Jeffrey Sachs? Whenever he, uh, mainstream media, ever says anything about the bigger picture, what got us in there, what everything you and I talked about last night, gone. You know, off, off, off to the side. You know, that's enough, Jeffrey. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You know, it's like he's a little boy. Don, Don, Jeffrey. He's only Columbia University professor. I forget what panels he's, he's head of, whatever, whether it's the COVID investigation. Uh, I, I know he's very involved with both foreign policy for his whole career and and the whole uh, COVID thing. So he's got a lot of expertise to offer. But no, 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 no. We can't hear Jeffrey Saxon on mainstream media. So what happens is the narrative is twisted and bent uh, according to the propaganda agenda, uh, as we know. And and, and and then they're off on all, all alternative media while they're disparaged by the mainstream media. And so it's, is there any wonder who people who don't seek the uh, platforms like this or, or, or others, uh, you know, uh, don't know. How could they know? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not really their fault when I, I don't want to see them as separate. Do you see what I mean? Even those that have been completely blown away and bullshitted by Fauci. I mean, I don't think any of my friends who won't talk to me anymore uh, or relatives go on uh, these alternative platforms, we call them, they don't. Do you, yeah, they don't. Do you know what I mean? But they're good people. They're just, does that make any sense? It's like. Um, well, yeah, the, the left is, you know, the left, the, the complaint of the left, especially younger people on the left, always say, oh, all my grandfather does is watch Fox News. All Archie Bunker does is watch right. Fox News. Well, you know, but they don't realize they're doing the same thing the other way, right? All right. they're doing is watching legacy. All they're doing is watching CNN, MSNBC. 
And right. just because there's more of them, you see, just because 90% of the media is like MSNBC doesn't mean that they're more open-minded because they watch four different networks. That does they believe. They believe because they watch four different networks. You were just talking about the conglomerate yesterday. You were talking about this ridiculous, you know, that five networks own everything. Five companies want to own everything. But the fact that they be, that they watch four different networks, they think that makes them open-minded and people that just watch Fox, but it doesn't because right. they're watching four different networks say the exact, as Glenn Greenwald wrote, by the way, who is basically only on Fox these days, CNN and uh-huh. MSNBC won't put him on anymore. They won't put real journalists who don't fall into their narrative on anymore. But well. like he said, they all, this legacy left-wing media, like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, they all follow the same script. They all say the same things. They actually all have the same sources. They quote the same people. That's the problem. So they're not any more open-minded. In fact, they're more closed-minded, in my opinion. Now, is anyone but Tucker on Fox? I mean, I know Tucker platforms, you know, Colonel McGregor and Jimmy Dore and, you know, all, all the voices, Glenn Greenwald. Does Glenn Greenwald get interviewed by – I don't know. I don't watch Fox. Is, 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 is it, you oh, see no, what I'm Tucker, Tucker Carlson has him on constantly. Constantly. Yeah, I'm – I know that, but none of the other hosts, right? Oh, it's yeah, just yeah, they do. Absolutely. I've oh, seen Will Ingram. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Fox and Friends. Okay. Oh, they all have the weekend shows have him on. Yeah, he's on a lot. He's on a lot. I, I don't watch Fox, so I don't know. That's all. That, okay. Yeah, yeah cool. he's on all the time. Now, there's a guy who's obviously the the whack, the, the left would, would, would put him into the same box as Elon Musk, right? That they're all of a sudden they're like crazy right wingers. When, of course, Elon Musk voted Democratic every year of his life until this one, like I basically mm-hmm. I did. And uh, and and Glenn Greenwald is hardly a right winger. He's also not a left right. winger. He's a journalist who doesn't let his personal politics get in the way of facts. Right. They can't stand that. They can't stand that. They want. They want. We've talked about this a million times before. They want political activists on their networks. They don't want journalists. They want political activists. That's what they want. Or or, or CIA mouthpieces. Or CIA mouthpieces. <laughs> yeah, about them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they'll have on, you know, if you watch CNN and MSNBC, they'll have on quote-unquote generals, generals, but they're all basically left-wingers. They're all these, you know, they'll find a three or four left-wing generals out there, and they'll have them on all the time, and they'll say, oh, no, we have military experts on. No, no, they're left-wing generals, former generals who are now activists for the left, activists for the Democratic Party. That's what they are. You know, so these are – the fact of the matter is, is that to get the actual – real news let's say you have to do your own investigating and what i mean by that isn't making up your own facts it's it's getting a little bit from here a little bit from there a little bit from here being open-minded to your sources and where you go for your news and taking it all into consideration and doing your own investigations and your own critical thinking and then you come with a hypothesis or a learned opinion a knowledgeable educated opinion and that's what it's all about and most people don't do that. We know that. That's way too complicated for most people. Most people would rather just turn on a station or go to one news source on their on their on their uh, you know on their phones and just believe whatever they hear because it's easier. And people like people like when their beliefs are second and third and fourth by media sources, right? Because they believe those media sources solidify their belief, right? They make their beliefs real and fact when in fact they're not. They're not. It's all echo chamber. It's echo chamber. You know, basically what it is, as Glenn Greenwald just said. Well, one suggestion, uh, uh, you know, uh, that I can make to folks, if 
it's okay with you is Telegram because you can search Telegram for Scott Ritter, search Telegram for Colonel McGargan. Most of these people, Jeffrey Sachs, have their own channel on Telegram, which is just an app you can download. In other words, people might say, well, if I Google these people, I'm not going to find the things you're saying about them, which is true because you're not, or even YouTube, you may or may not, you may. If you if you go to uh, Judge Napolitano or Colonel Salente, then you'll you'll see Jeffrey Sachs being interviewed and Scott Ritter and Colonel McGregor. Do you see mm-hmm. what I mean? But I think you know only because I've been you know searching around and, and those media platforms and you kind of you know how it is. The more you do, the more you get kind of you stumble on this person and that person, and the next <laughs> thing you know, you start connecting dots. But until you get to a level of it like that, you're lost. Do you follow me? I understand, so, but what but, but yeah. the legacy media has done so well and the left-wing politicians have done so well is they brainwashed a lot of people into believing that you can only go to these legacy media sources right. to get the real news. And the people like Glenn Greenwald who do like Substacks yeah, yeah. And, and that they're, they're doing that because they can't make it in the real media world, you see. Mm-hmm. They're the outcasts. They're, they're doing that because they're conspiracy theorists and right-wingers who the legacy media would never hire. And didn't want that. That's that's what they brainwash people into believing, Bill. Right. Okay. So people don't bother going to these places like Substack and Red. They don't do it. Once mm-hmm. again, because it takes a little bit more effort than what they're used to. The, 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 you know, they used to. There's the there's the the um just it's easy to turn on the television. You know, it's just easy. It's easy to turn yeah. on the television. It's a habit. These are the habits they're used to doing, and and these are the ruts they they get into and they can't get out of. But once again, when it comes when you say no, no, you know, you should go to. Uh, this Substack, they go, oh, oh, that sounds like conspiracy theorist stuff to me. You know, it's right. because they've been brainwashed into believing because mm-hmm. the legacy media does a great job and the left wing politicians and they have done a great job of making these people look like they wear tinfoil hats. Yes. You know, and that's that, it. And that are they on the platform other than theirs, other than legacy media, that's the disinformation, right? Of course, according of to course. them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the point. That's the point Glenn Greenwald made so well when he said that all these legacy media outlets, they all echo each other. Right. But they mm-hmm. do it on purpose, because mm-hmm. if you're watching CNN, they're saying the sky is, is, is red. And then you're watching MSNBC and they're saying the sky is red. And then you're mm-hmm. watching ABC and they're saying the sky is red. People are going to say, Mike, all these places are saying the same thing, not just one. Right. How could it not be true, Mike? This is mm-hmm. what they do. This is why they all echo the same thing. It's like they all get a memo and they say, this is what we're saying today. Okay, this is, this is what we're saying. This is the mantra of the day. And that's what they do. And, 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 and it works. Like you say, it's, it's a brainwashing. It works. I, I've actually seen I, I, Jimmy Dore will sometimes put up pieces uh, where he'll have somebody who's done some kind of composite spoof where you, you see the, the same message dubbed over and over again from different, I mean, I mean they are doing just as exactly like verbatim what you're saying with different anchor here, there, you know, whatever it is. And they, it's, it's funny to watch. Yeah, in a what a, how no, would no, that no. be a coincidence where the wording is like the wording is almost exactly the same. Well, it's just it a is. coincidence, right? They're all, they're all thinking the exact same, not the exact same ideas and opinions in fact, but the same wording. But we yes. saw that. We saw that with the wording when they get on Twitter, when they get uh, COVID, right? The mm. same wording, frighteningly Orwellian, right? The same wording. <laughs> I've gotten COVID for the eighth time, but I'm so glad I got my vaccines. You should get your vaccines. <laughs> right? They all, how many, how many of them have said that over the last couple of years? 500, 1,000, 2,000? They all say the exact <laughs> same thing. 
it's almost like they're not trying to hide the brainwashing, Bill. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's so obvious. They rarely change a word or two to make it even look good. <laughs> they don't even want to make it look good. I know. You know, and that, know. that's what pisses me off is the brazenness, man, where they're saying we can do something so obvious, so obviously brainwashing, and you can't do anything about it. Oh, oh, Ron Johnson had his recent roundtable again, along with uh, DeSantis, and immediately that was pulled off of YouTube, and you know, oh, and and no, no chance on mainstream media. So now we're gonna have to wait and see what Ron Ron uh, uh, DeSantis does regarding his new disinformation panel. He's gonna put together to go to go against the disinformation of who, of of the NIH, of of the, F, the FDA. You know, that'll be, won't that be wonderful when he puts that group together and they start going after, the, you know, the Fauci mafia? That'll be so fun. I can't wait. I mean, it's, it's tragic that there's so much loss, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Where him, Joseph Latipo, they're going to... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. That's what, that's what they do. See, they don't... And that is the crime of the left-wing legacy media they'll put fauci on they put fauci on basically every sunday for the last three years right yeah. he's not every sunday and especially the first couple of years he was on every day but the last year or so he's on every sunday show every fucking he even announces his retirement and they still put him on and they'll put him on yes. next year, right it doesn't matter that he's retiring next week they'll put him on next year and um and and he says to say and he'll come on and say they'll say what do you think about uh, this thing ron DeSantis is doing by the way I should read. I'll read in a second. The, the Florida Supreme Court has granted uh, DeSantis the right to do that. By the way, to go after Big Pharma. Oh, great! Right. So I'll read more. I'll read. I'll read the exact tweet okay. later. But but so they say, Fauci, what do you think about what he's doing with Big Pharma and the vaccine? And Fauci goes, like you know, he plays like total fucking dumb. He is total dumb, but he plays dumb. He, he's like playing dumb, like an actor would play dumb. He says, well. I don't understand what they're doing. These vaccines have saved millions of lives. I don't know what they're doing down there. <laughs> That's what he says. That's it. You want to, you want to, ooh, you want to sock him one right in the nose, his big fucking nose. But you know, that, that's what he says. It's so incredulous. Oh, but the, the vac, I don't know. I have no clue what they're doing down there. These vaccines have saved millions of people. Now, of course, the so quote unquote journalist on TV doesn't say, do you have to, could you show us the power, the PowerPoints? Can you show us the PowerPoint where it, it saved millions of lives? How many million? Was it 3 million or 20 million? Can you show us the evidence? Can you show us the facts? That they'll never say that. Why don't they ever say that? Because they know Fauci will have no answer for that, and they don't want to make him look like a fucking idiot he is. So they'll never ask that obvious follow-up question for three years. Well, the last two years of the vaccine, they've never asked him the, the obvious follow-up question. Can you please show the evidence that these have saved two and a half million lives? Where? Where? Give me the proof. Because they know what the answer is going to be. He don't got it. He just speaks out of his fucking ass, and he don't got it, so they let it go. But will they have Ron DeSantis on to oppose him? Do they have Joe Ladapo on to defend himself? No. They'll just put Fauci on so people will only hear Fauci's point of view. Right. 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 Yeah, well, I, you know, you're absolutely right, and it's shameful because most people know nothing, for example, about Kerry Mullis, right, the Nobel Prize-winning uh, scientist who created the PCR test and what he said about it back yeah. in the time of AIDS and whether or not it could actually diagnose a disease and what he designed it for versus the way it was being used. Do you, do you know about Kerry Mullis? Did you, I mean, 
I, oh my goodness, if anyone knows anything about that and what the PCR, what he said about it and how he meant it to be used would say, well, well, then obviously we can't build a COVID policy on it. It's right, like you go exactly, to court. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, but, you know who I'm talking about? I, I mean, do. The, I do. But also yeah. Malone also had to Malone also yeah. came. He was the MNRA guy. Right. Malone right. He said this is bullshit. <laughs> the exact people who invent these things and say they shouldn't be used for this. Right. That they're being distorted and bastardized. They go, oh, these people are conspiracy theorists. They invented the damn things. It's so ridiculous. It really right. is. It really is. Oh, oh <laughs> and Carrie uh, Mullis, he, <laughs> there's one. Wait, wait, before you say something, I just got a thought in my mind. If we knew who the, of course, they're, they're long gone, but the, if the inventor, this is the age we live in. If the inventor of the cloth mask, <laughs> the inventor of the cloth mask came on and said, Oh, they weren't designed for a virus like this. They do nothing. They say, oh, you nutty conspiracy theorist. Right, right, right. The inventor of the fucking thing. It's ridiculous. These people are these people are such phonies. They're such frauds. And, you know, unfortunately, only a certain amount of us can see through this, can see through them. Yeah, well, Kerry Mullis, uh, actually, there's a video of him just ripping into Fauci. Regarding, and this goes back to, again, the, the AIDS era. And... Um, Unfortunately, Kerry Mullis passed in 2019 in his 70s, allegedly from some type of pneumonia. But it's too bad because it would have been wonderful to hear his voice, uh, you know, in real time through this whole COVID thing. And uh, it's just it's highly suspect. Uh, you would think someone of his stature and ability and knowledge of the sciences and medicine could have cured a type of pneumonia. But who knows? I mean, I don't – was he – did I – but you got to remember, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with uh, um, Anthony Fauci and the Fauci Mafia. You never know what's possible. You know what I mean, Mike? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, I know what you Hey, Bill, I know what you're saying. I get it. You get it. You know, but look, the fact, and, and but, you know, we kid, but this is what we've, what we've been dealing with is the Fauci Mafia. Yeah. It is the Fauci Mafia. There's, there's no doubt about it. They silence people who they mm. didn't want to tell the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. They silence people who they didn't. We don't even know. Maybe they maybe I say the Fauci mafia and they silence people, you know, through Twitter and censorship. But maybe they really did silence them. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it past him and his mafia to actually really silence people the way the real mafia does. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, there were people out there who were just totally silenced one way or the other. They weren't allowed to tell their side. They weren't allowed Mm -hmm. to tell the truth. They weren't allowed to tell. They weren't allowed to give the facts that adults could use to make a more informed decision about whether it be masking or vaccines or lockdowns or anything. They just did not. They didn't want the they didn't want the information out there. They didn't want they only, no, no, they, well, they only wanted the, their narrative push. And that's it. So. I mean, the, if they're if they're scientists and they're running a program, they're going to get defunded. Number one. Do you follow me? The uh, NIH and uh, NIAID. Uh, you know, CDC, they'll defund them, first of all. And then that's that's a real threat, you know what I mean, that they have to live with. Uh, of course, we may go, who knows if it goes further than that. But the, for, that's the first thing, you know. It's like when Boston University was accused of a chimeric, uh, creating a chimeric monster virus, uh, combining Wuhan and, and the Delta, no, the Omicron strains, 80% of the mice. Oh, oh, NIH said, well, we didn't approve of that. Right. Right. Really. Exactly. 
You think the people yeah. at BU would risk their funding and go ahead and do all that behind NIH back and then come publicize it? Right. What? Right. Does that make any sense to anybody? <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course not. That's nonsense. You know, you, you, you have to critical thinking and then uh, no way. You know what I mean? And then you had the Imperial, Imperial College of London across the pond come out with the same findings about four days later. No. There's no connection there. You know well, what I mean? And, huh? And, 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 you know, Fauci with his with his uh, uh, gain of function verbiage, you know, it's just wordplay. Yeah. He was doing gain of function, but technically exactly. he was saying it's not gain of function. It's just like the FBI with their bullshit, Elvis Chan saying, well, we never actually said the words Hunter Biden. We never said the name Hunter Biden. Come on, you're so full of shit. So they didn't say the name Hunter Biden. So what? Big deal. <laughs> Big deal. We know what they were censoring. We know in those emails what story they were censoring. But because right. he said we never d directly said anything about Hunter Biden. Come on. I mean, these people, these people are, are shameless. They're totally shameless. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and once again, don't believe your ears. Don't believe your don't believe your lying eyes. This is all conspiracy theorist stuff, Bill. Don't believe your lying eyes at these Twitter files. It's all conspiracy theorist stuff. You know what else has to be considered, Mike? And I'll, I'll end with this. I know. Thank Go you ahead. for giving me all the yeah, time. And Daniel sharing. next. Daniel next. Then we'll do Twitter uh, files. Good. Um, Good. The Harvard Pilgrim report on the VAERS vaccine event, adverse events reporting system, that Harvard Pilgrim report, which came out decades ago, said, because, of course, the, the VAERS system has been in place for a long time. It's not new. Do you follow me? And the Harvard Pilgrim report said that only about 1% of the vaccine adverse events ever get reported to the VAERS system. Yeah, right. And we that, talk about that a lot. We remember talk about that? that a lot, right? Yeah. You do. And Congress, what was it, two decades ago, roughly funded to upgrade it and fix it? No, it didn't happen. Why? Because if you got uh, accurate reports to VAERS, then it would look, the vaccine manufacturers look like, eh, oh, liability? Oh, whoa, whoa, no, we got to, what's the whole point? Reduce liability and exposure. Oh, no, no, keep it down to where it's not a, you know, only 1%, only 1%. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can actually have an accurate reporting system and track at vaccine or first events because then, wow, that would make the public, and that would be, holy shit. And then these, these uh, you know, uh, where they're uh, in, into eternity, that they can't be sued. Why? When, when you, if we were learn the real numbers, yeah. the public would be in outrage. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? So we got to keep it down to 1% to 10% or whatever the hell it is. Right. Do you see what I'm following? It's all, none of this happens by accident. It's all. Well, it's such a, you know, it's such a, William, I'm going to let you go. Uh, but but okay, thanks, thanks for calling, Bill. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. But once again, it's it's such a it, it's such an obvious lie. And they'll say, "Look, would 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 you take any? Would people take anything else if the company said, you know, if you take this, hey, I'm going to give you this pill, I'm going to give you this drink. If anything bad happens to you, you you can't sue me. I just want you to let you know that. If they if the let's say it was a, a guy handing it to you, this is my drink. This is my drink that I made. If you anything happens to this, you can't sue me or anything. who would drink it? I, you throw it out the you throw it in the garbage." Yet with this, people will believe that these companies are allowed to not be sued. Why? Oh, that they, they're standing behind their product, even if, they're, if, if they say you can't sue them if something bad happens to you. But Big Pharma is allowed to do that? Why? Because they're Big Pharma and they're made up of doctors who know things and are on our side and have our best interests at heart. If something bad happens, oh, oh well, we'll take, we'll take the chance because they're such great people. They're such virtuous people. Daniel. You'll have more to add about that, I'm sure. How's it going, Daniel? Can you hear me? 
Yeah. Hey, Daniel, I'm making this. I'm making this potion for you. Yeah, take it. It's good for you. But if anything happens to you, tough luck. You gonna drink it? <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. What flavors do you have? Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Does, oh. it come in ch- ch- does it come in cherry? I like that. that <laughs> yeah. It, it comes in cherry flavor. You know what the cherry does? It covers up for the poison. Yeah. I'm, da- <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned a, a few of these incidents of propaganda where the later the media comes back and tries to claim that they are clarifying things and and possibly retracting things. It's never a retraction, like you said. <clears throat> it's, it's all part of the plan from the beginning. And uh, they, they lie it's, uh, just enough to get Americans behind whatever, whether it's COVID, whether it's a war. And then later, in order to try to retrieve to some, to some extent their reputation, they publish the truth. And we've seen this happen over and over and over again. We saw it happen in Vietnam um, with around the Pentagon Papers. We saw it happen in Iraq with the lies about WMD. We saw it happen with COVID, obviously, in, in, in many, many ways. And there's one one incident that is a favorite of mine to, t- to talk to um, and, uh, and remind people of because so few people seem to, to know about it or remember it. So I just want to um, to read. Um, Wikipedia has a great four paragraphs on, on this uh, testimony um, that changed the uh, course of events with respect to Gulf War um, after um, Iraqis invaded, invaded Kuwait. Um, there was a bunch of propaganda that our media helped spread at that time. And then later on page 37, as you said, um, uh, tried to to, um, to retrieve their uh, reputation. So I just want to read these um, four fairly quick paragraphs about the Naira testimony, if you'll allow me to. Okay. it's uh, This is from, from Wikipedia, and it's got a good description of what I remember. Uh, the Nayeri testimony was false testimony given before the United States Congressional Human Rights Caucus on October 10, 1990, by a 15-year-old girl who was publicly identified only by her first name, Nayira. The testimony was publicized and was cited numerous times by United States Senators and President George H.W. Bush in their rationale to support Kuwait in the Gulf War. In 1992, it was revealed that Nayira's last name was Al-Saba and that she was the daughter of Saud al-Saba, the Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States. Furthermore, it was revealed that her testimony was organized as, a, as part of Citizens for a Free Kuwait Public Relations Campaign, which was run by American public relations firm Hill & Knowlton for the Kuwaiti government. Following this, al-Saba's testimony has come to be regarded as a classic example of modern atrocity propaganda, in her testimony, Nayira claimed that after the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait, she had witnessed Iraqi soldiers take babies out of incubators in a Kuwait hospital, take the incubators, and leave the babies to die. Her story was initially corroborated by Amnesty International, a British-based global NGO which published several independent reports about the supposed killings and testimony from evacuees. Following the liberation of Kuwait, reporters were given access to the country. An ABC report found that patients, including premature babies, did die when many of the Kuwaiti nurses and doctors fled. 
but Iraqi troops almost certainly had not stolen hospital incubators and had not left hundreds of Kuwaiti babies to die. Amnesty International USA reacted, reacted by ensuring a correction or by issuing a correction with Executive Director John Healy subsequently accusing the Bush administration of opportunistic manipulation of the international human rights movement. So there's a classic, um, this, I mean, this has happened over and over and over again. This is one that, this is a moment um, uh, in, in our history um, that I think a lot of people have forgotten, and that's why I, I just like reminding people. We we all know the stories of of the lies about WMDs and, and yes. chemical weapons, and biological mm-hmm. weapons labs, and and uh, and uh, what's his names? Uh, cartoon pictures of of these bioweapons labs at the uh, at the um, UN. Mm-hmm. Um, Powell, Powell, yeah. Powell, Colin Powell, yeah. Yeah, you know, when Colin Powell told that ridiculous story and, and, and with a straight face at the UN, um, we've, we've we've seen this happen over and over and over. And you're right, people they get duped, and and then they get duped again. And the old fool me once thing it just doesn't apply. They can they can get continually fooled. And I've I've seen this. I see it in people that are my age. So people that, you know, were, were, were young, young kids during Vietnam and, and grew up watching nightly uh, news when they counted, were counting out the number of Americans killed, the number of Viet Cong killed every day. And they lied about that. They lied about the death counts. They overestimated the Viet Cong killed uh, every single day. And, um, and so, so, so that generation, you know, we've been lied to. In Vietnam, we, we, with the Pentagon Papers, we were lied to. In the uh, Gulf War, with the Snyder testimony, we were lied to. In the uh, invasion of Iraq, with the WMD lies, we were lied to. In COVID, and every single time, I know people personally that have bought the lies every single time, mm-hmm. only to only to you know years later say, "Oh, geez, they lied to us." And it's like, yeah, and they're going to do it again, and then they believe it again. And they believe and it, and it's, and it's that cycle of insanity that is a. Uh, it's tough to break, man. I mean, once again, because the propaganda campaigns are so strong, each time they know they need an even stronger propaganda campaign because people have been lied to so many times. It's getting tougher and tougher to hook them in, so they need these strong propaganda campaigns. Now, I don't believe the propaganda campaign with Ukraine has been quite as strong as the COVID propaganda campaign, but this country didn't have doesn't have as, as much skin in the game with the Ukraine thing as it does with the COVID and the big farmer making all this money. But it's still, like I said, that propaganda campaign for Ukraine with that original story of those brave Ukrainian soldiers who were blown away by the Russians that never happened, that was purposely one of the first stories we heard about, purposely done at the beginning to hook people in and to keep them hooked forever. And then and then they tell, only weeks ago, tell this big lie about... Um, uh, um, bombing the uh, Russians bombing Poland when it turned out that it was Ukrainian uh, artillery that killed two people in Poland. And they yeah, were well, to... you know what? You got me on that one. Where was the correction on that? Did you ever hear a correction on that? No, no, I I never saw a correction in the in the media about it. No, I, I was pointed. Well, not in the mainstream media. No, um, we were pointed to it by you know post on Twitter to you know maybe maybe articles that were buried someplace in Reuters or something or the Associated Press. I mean, to, to pay pe- people that we could um, uh, um, depend on uh, to report the truth. But um, no, the mainstream media, no. 
Oh, oh by the way, I, I do. I, I know how this was covered. I know Biden. They asked Biden about it and he slipped and he said something to the effect of uh, it was about a, maybe two or three days after it happened. He, he said there's really no evidence that it was Russia and they shut him up right away. You never heard him say that again after that. I think yeah. it was a, I think it was a slip. I think they had given him the intelligence showing it wasn't Russia. And he slipped and said that. And but you never heard him say that again. His handlers totally shut him up. So you yep. never heard him talk about it again after that. And then how many people have already forgotten that they accused Russia of blowing up their own pipeline only weeks ago? Yeah, right. Right. Oh, there have been many. Th- yeah. Look, once again, you accentuate what you want to accentuate and you eliminate what you don't want people to hear, right? Omish, you, you omit, right? You omit. And you, you have your narrative, you, you push your narrative by omission. So you accentuate the fake stories like the sole, you know, the, the, the original story about the Ukrainian um, submarine people being killed, the Ukrainian soldiers in the submarine being killed, and you accentuate that. But then you omit these other things you talk about. You omit things that, that, the, that Ukraine does, you know, to hurt the Russian people. You, you, you eliminate the aggression of the Ukraine and make it look like they are the ones, the Russians are the ones who are the total aggressors and Ukrainians are just defending themselves. When you when talk about Ukrainian aggression, they totally omit it. They omit it. And that's yeah. what you do. And that's how you, that's how you develop a narrative. If you told the truth, if you show the, the even start, the, the real facts, then you know, it, it wouldn't be easy to brainwash people because people would have doubts. They don't want people to have any doubts. They yeah. want to tell people what to believe. And and our media has increasingly become a mercenary media um, since the uh, uh, Gulf War. Um, the Pentagon Papers and this Nayira testimony; these were things that the media really they weren't they weren't amplifying it, um, and at the same time knowing that it was it, that it was false, that it was likely bullshit, and and, um, and they and they were were at the time trying to uh, to ask um, appropriate questions. But over the years, in, in the Pentagon Papers, yeah, the media was entirely fooled by the, by the administration at that time. I think it was Johnson. Um, and, and they just, you know, they lied to everybody saying that that um, that they you know, they hadn't expanded their excursions into Vietnam. And, and they just lied. It was just bold faced lie. And and but the media, you know, they were taken off guard as much as anybody else. But slowly, our media has become this mercenary uh, um, journalist journalism. And and now they are bold facedly since since the WMD thing in Iraq, they are just bold facedly. Um, in bed, the fourth estate is now in in bed with the uh, military industrial complex and on COVID in bed with the uh, medical industrial complex, and and they're just they're just mercenaries, nothing but nothing but mercenaries. Then they're not looking for the truth one bit. They're looking for what they can sell as the truth, and that's it. That's it. And, and that's we it. are we are at this point totally reliant on what we now call the fifth estate. That's right. That's it, and, and 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 thank thank God I'm not I'm not a theist, but thank God for Elon Musk, and I hope he's able to build the fifth estate up to replace the fourth estate because the fourth estate is a total failure. Absolutely, here here to that here here here. Yeah. here. Daniel, thanks for the call. I'm going to go into the Twitter files part eight, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be too. What I want to do before I go into the Twitter files part eight, which was published a couple of days ago, and this is about the Pentagon's uh, collusion with with Twitter. Um, a couple of things about Big Pharma to end on. 
Uh, Fauci warned America today. He said, we're living in a progressively anti-science era, and that's a very dangerous thing. Finally, I agree with Fauci. Progressives are anti-science. I totally agree with Tony Fauci. Progressives are indeed anti-science. I'm sure that's what he meant to say. Um, Here, Governor DeSantis receives approval from the Florida Supreme Court to impanel a grand jury to investigate the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers. So that will lead us into the Republicans taking over in a week and a half and all of the people they're going to subpoena and all of the things they're going to investigate. And uh, then Fauci can defend his point and the FBI and Elvis Chan can go on and say it's all a conspiracy theory and they can try to prove that and uh, dispute the evidence and they can try to defend themselves sitting there in front of a microphone in front of the House committees and in front of the American public. And that will all start hopefully in a couple of weeks. But I do want to get to, to Twitter Files Part 8. And this is by Lee Fang, by the way. By the way, another actual real journalist. Lee Fang was very clear-headed and fair during COVID, one of the few ones who would point out the bullshit that was being fed, the, the official narrative, and the holes in the official narrative where it comes to masks or vaccines or vaccine passports, any of that garbage. Li Fang is based in San Francisco. He's a San Francisco journalist. And so, you know, Elon Musk has been very, he's investigated. He has a substack, by the way. It's Li Fang, L-E-E-F-A-N-G dot substack dot com. Um, and he, uh, Elon Musk has been very smart in the people he's given this information to, right? He hasn't gone to people who are considered by most people who are clear-minded and don't have a narrative to push as, as right-wing or left-wing. These are very fair journalists, right? We have uh, Barry Weiss, who worked for The Times. We have uh, Matt Taibbi, who also also wrote some great stuff during COVID to go against the official narrative. We've got Lee Fang, based in San Francisco, hardly a right-winger. So he's been given this out. Once again, it doesn't matter with the legacy media. They will trash all these people as being right-wingers and conspiracy theorists, but they're not. So Li Fang writes, how Twitter quietly aided the Pentagon's covert online PSYOP campaign. Um, I want to read some of the highlights of this. Now, despite promises to shut down, remember, Twitter promised to shut down covert state-run propaganda networks. That was part of what they said. But Twitter documentaries show that the social media giant directly assisted the U.S. military's influence operations. And this really ties into, once again, the narrative that the, the legacy media pushes, the Pentagon, the FBI, the CIA, the narrative of war and the narrative they want the American public to adapt and the facts they want the American public to believe. Twitter has claimed for years that they made concerted efforts to, to detect and thwart government-backed platform manipulation. Here is Twitter testifying to Congress about its pledge to rapidly identify and shut down all state-backed covert information operations and deceptive propaganda, and he links to a article. But behind the scenes, Twitter gave approval and special protection to the U.S. military's online psychological influence ops. Despite knowledge that Pentagon propaganda accounts use covert identities, Twitter did not suspend many for around two years or more. Some remain active now. In 2017, a U.S. Central Command CENTCOM official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts we use to amplify certain messages. The official asked for priority service of six accounts, verification for one, and whitelist labels for the others. And he, 
the uh, links to the proof of that, the email. The same day, CENTCOM sent the list. Twitter officials used a tool to grant a special whitelist tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they are exempt from spam, abuse flags, more visible, likely to trend on hashtags. The CENTCOM accounts on the list tweeted frequently about U.S. military prairies in the Middle East, including promoting anti-Iran messages, promoting promotion of the Saudi Arabia-U.S. back war in Yemen, and accurate U.S. drone strikes, accurate in quotes, U.S. drone strikes that claim to only hit terrorists. And he links to more proof of that. CENTCOM then shifted strategies and deleted disclosures of ties to the Twitter accounts. The bios of the accounts changed to seemingly organic profiles. One bio read, Euphrates Pulse, that's in quotes, Euphrates Pulse. Another used an apparent deep fake profile pic and claimed to be a source of Iraqi opinion, and he links to that. One Twitter official who spoke to me said he feels deceived by the covert shift. Still, many emails from throughout 2020 show that high-level Twitter executives were well aware of DOD's vast network of fake accounts and covert propaganda and did not suspend the accounts. For example, Twitter lawyer Jim Baker, here he is again, mused in a July 2020 email about an upcoming DOD meeting that the Pentagon used poor tradecraft, in quotes, in setting up its network and were seeking strategies for not exposing the accounts that are, in quotes, linked to each other or to DOD or the USG. Stacia Cardile, we've heard of her name before, she was another Twitter attorney, attorney, replied that the Pentagon wanted an SCIF and may want to retroactively classify its social media activities to obfuscate their activity in this space and that this may be represent an overclassification to avoid embarrassment. He links to that email. In several other 2020 emails, high-level Twitter executives and lawyers discussed a covert network and even recirculated the 2017 list from CENTCOM and shared another list of 157 undisclosed Pentagon accounts, again, mostly focused on Middle East military issues. In May of 2020, an email Twitter's Lisa Roman emailed the DOD with two lists. One list was accounts previously provided to us, in quotes, and another list Twitter detected. The accounts tweeted in Russian and Arabic on U.S. military issues in Syria, ISIS, and many also did not disclose Pentagon files. And she, he links to that email from Lisa Roman. Many of these secretive U.S. military propaganda accounts, despite detection by Twitter as late as 2020, but potentially earlier, continued tweeting throughout this year. Some not suspended until May of 2022 or later, according to records he reviewed. In August of 2022, a Stanford Internet Observatory report exposed a U.S. military cobalt propaganda network on Facebook, Telegram, and Twitter, and other apps using fake news portals and deep fake images and memes against U.S. foreign adversaries. He links to that. The U.S. propaganda network relentlessly pushed narratives against Russia, China, and other foreign countries. They accused Iran of, in quotes, threatening Iraq's water security and flooding the country with crystal meth and of harvesting the organs of Afghan refugees. Jeez. The Stanford report did not identify all of the accounts in the network, but one they did name was the exact same Twitter account, CENTCOM, asked for whitelist privileges in the 2017 email. I verified by Twitter internal tools the account used an AI-created deep fake image of some young guy. Okay. 
In subsequent reporting, Twitter was cast as an unbiased hero for removing a network of fake user accounts promoting pro-Western policy positions. Media covering the story described Twitter as evenly applying its policies and proactive in suspending the DOD network. The reality is much more murky. Twitter actively assisted CENTCOM's network going back to 2017 as late as 2020, knew these accounts were covert or designed to deceive to manipulate the discourse, a violation of Twitter's policies and promises. They waited years to suspend them. Twitter comms team was closely in touch with reporters working to minimize Twitter's role. When the Washington Post reported on the scandal, Twitter officials congratulated each other because the story didn't mention any Twitter employees and focused largely on the Pentagon. He links to that stuff. The conduct with U.S. military's vote network stands in stark contrast with how Twitter had boasted about rapidly identifying and taking down covert accounts tied to state-backed influence operations, including Thailand, Russia, Venezuela, and others since 2016. Here is my reported piece with more detail. I was given access to Twitter for a few days. I signed, agreed to nothing. Twitter had no input into anything I did or wrote. The searches were carried out by a Twitter attorney. Uh, so what I so what I saw could be limited. And he on his on intercept.com, by the way, uh, Lee Fang has his piece, and it's called Twitter Aid of the Pentagon in its covert online propaganda campaign. If you want more details about how I go about my reporting, a little more about myself and further documentation and discussion, I just started a Substack. Sign up here, Lee Fang. So, yeah, another comments. My God, the deep state's even worse than I thought. Wow, very interesting revelations about the brainwashing techniques. So this collusion that we're seeing, right, with the FBI, with left-wing media, which we will see soon with Fauci, and the CDC and the NIH and all that stuff, whether it be about Hunter Biden's story or the vaccines, COVID stuff, COVID policies, or this stuff. What we're seeing is that they were in, Twitter was aiding and abetting who they wanted to aid and abet, right? They had these supposed policies that they were going to apply evenly, right? Not have any biases whatsoever, but they do have biases. They do. They are Americans. They are based in San Francisco. 99% of them were Democrats. And so once again, they did not put those biases aside. They figured, well, if the U.S. government's doing it, it's not bad, right? If it's coming from our Pentagon, our State Department, our FBI, it's, it can't be wrong. It's got to be right. It's got to be okay. Now, this seems very naive, <laughs> but these people tend to be naive. Leftists tend to be incredibly ignorant and naive. But I think it was more than that. I think it was also the fact that they were buddy-buddy with very important, powerful people in this government, be it Elvis Chan, the FBI, you know, be it the, the legacy media or, or, or the CIA or the Pentagon. And I don't want to beat a dead horse too much, but I've said this before, if I can get into my own psychology here. We're talking about people in positions, except for we know there were some FBI people, right, like Jim Baker, but there were also some basically tech people nerdy tech people like Yoel Roth and others who were probably never in a position in their lives where they had the kind of power that they wielded, the influence they wielded by colluding with the government, by colluding with very powerful figures and being able to shape the narrative, right? And, and as Larry Elder said, they truly believe these people 
not just on not just the Twitter employees, but the, the media in general, and a lot of left wingers, they truly believe they are combating right wing fascism, aka Trumpism, aka MAGA. So they can go home and sleep at night. Despite how illegal this all is, despite how this is trashing the Constitution, despite how unethical, immoral, uh, despite that it, it, it violates the First Amendment, uh, freedom of speech, they were able to sleep at night. Not just sleep at night, but pat themselves on the back for doing all this stuff that they truly believed in the end would defeat Trumpism. It all comes back to Trump derangement syndrome. It's no coincidence that most of this took place post-2016. It's no coincidence. Twitter's been around for a long time. It's no coincidence much of this took place basically from January of 2017 on, right? His inauguration on. Because Trump derangement syndrome was so prevalent, so great, that they were able to believe they were doing, here we go again, the greater, it was the greater, it was for the greater good. All of this, trashing the Constitution, the First Amendment, freedom of speech, the law, violating the law, it was all done to combat what they truly believed was a man, is a man who's as bad as Adolf Hitler. So think about that. If you can do that, if you could look at Donald Trump and Trumpism or MAGA, and relate it in your mind, convince yourself that that's equal to Hitler and Nazism. It's very easy to do all this stuff, right? Don't we say it all the time? Isn't, isn't this the, the, the game we play? If, if we knew now what Hitler had done and we went in a time machine, would we kill him? Would you kill him? If you, and almost everyone says yes. Now, it's illegal to kill somebody. That's against the law to take someone out, to assassinate somebody. But it's Adolf Hitler. I'd be saving millions of lives. This is how crazy Trump derangement syndrome is, that they truly believe no matter how many laws they broke, no matter how much they stomped on and flushed the Constitution down the toilet, which is what they did. Let's visualize that. They flushed the Constitution down the toilet. They didn't care because in their very small minds, they thought it was the right thing to do because they were combating Trumpism and right wing ideology, which they, in their warped minds, believe is fascism. When, of course, I know what you're all thinking, the same thing I'm about to say. They were the ones who were the fascists, right? Not only with this stuff, but with COVID policies, with lockdowns, with forced masking and forced experimental vaccinations. They were the Nazis. They were the Goebbels. They were the Mengele's. They were the Hitler's. But they projected that out and said, oh, no, it's the other side that's fascists. It's the other side that's fascist because the legacy media, people, legacy media had many people on throughout the last five, six years who called Trump a fascist. You have people on there calling him a fascist, saying he's the worst thing since Hitler. These things were said on legacy media. They weren't just said on podcasts. They were said on legacy media, on CNN, MSNBC. Yes, narcissism, CCCP stuff, absolutely. Look, the fact of the matter is, is that this derangement syndrome, once again, if you want to look directly at it, it's the Trump being taken off Twitter, right? That's how the derangement syndrome directly went after Donald Trump taking him off. They didn't take off 
leaders, they didn't take off terrorist leaders. <laughs> they didn't they didn't eliminate these accounts for our country that they knew were fake. They took Donald Trump off. That's how bad Trump derangement syndrome is. You could say Trump's tweets were false. You could say they were fake. You could say they were overblown. You could say they were hyperbolic. You could say they were mean. You could say they were nasty. They, there are a million people on Twitter that are worse than Donald Trump. Yet they continue. This is a point that's been made. They continue to have accounts. But Trump derangement syndrome was so strong, so strong, that it helped the conscience of these people. I'm going to be nice and say they got him. Maybe they don't. But it helped the conscience of these people believe they were doing was right no matter what. That's what people who get full of themselves, you talk about, yes, you talk about uh, narcissism. That's people who get full of themselves do. We saw that with Nixon, with the, with the interview with Frost, right? Where he said, I'm saying when the president does it, it's not illegal. That's narcissism. He truly believed that. That the president, because he's the president and was elected by the country and is the leader of the free world, when he does it, it's not illegal because he's doing it for the right reasons, right? He or she is doing it for the right reasons. And they are in such a position of power that it can't be illegal if they're doing it. This is nutty thinking. It's, a, it's insane thinking, right? Hitler could use the same excuse, right? The Holocaust, what he did was not illegal, right? He was the leader and he felt that was the best thing for his country, it, it's it's narcissism. It's insane narcissism fueled by Trump derangement syndrome. Fueled by Trump derangement syndrome. I know we talk about, I talk about must derangement syndrome and DeSantis derangement syndrome. It'll be there. It's never going to be as bad as the, what this guy did to them. What Trump did to their brains, the left-wing brain, the legacy media brain, if they ever had one, is just... I think we're going to be studying this. We probably need a little distance, right? But I think we're going to be studying this 10, 15, 20 years down the line and further down the line, what this did to people in every aspect of life, from the techie at Twitter to the lawyer at Twitter to the person on CNN to the person on MSNBC to the average guy in the street who truly believes that Trump and Trumpism is fascism and needs to be stomped out and you break laws to do it, you defy the Constitution, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because they, once again, in their conscience, in their psyche, they relate him to Hitler. They too, they truly believe this. Therefore, all these rules go out the window. If you knew what you knew now about Hitler, you would go back and you'd put a bullet in his head, regardless if it was murder. So this is what they're doing. This is how they're putting... Let me make it very clear. Figurative bullets. Figurative bullets. They cannot get past their psychological disorder. They can't get past it. And it has created this incredible narcissism of we can do whatever we want. Because we, we, we're proclaiming we're on the side of right. We're on the right side. And we've talked about this. Daniel's been on the show a million times. We've all talked about this. If Donald Trump had come out... In March, April of 2020, and said, I want everyone to wear masks. The legacy media in the left wing would have called him a lunatic. Who would think that a cotton cloth mask could stop a virus? They would never have done it. They would say, I'm, come on, come on, we know this. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden said, I'm not taking the Trump vaccine. And then he loses the election. They relabel it the Fauci Biden vaccine and they take it seven times. We know this. So we know from that response, I'm not taking the Trump vaccine. 
that they wouldn't use the Trump mask. They wouldn't abide by the Trump lockdown. They say he's being a total fascist, telling people they can't open their business. We know this. I blame Donald Trump for not understanding reverse psychology and how hated he was. But if he had done that, if he had come out from day one and said, we're going to shut down our businesses, everyone wear cloth masks. When those vaccines come out, they should be mandated. The left, the legacy media would have gone exactly in the opposite direction. And proudly so. And proudly so. But this is just insidious, this disease, this Trump derangement syndrome disease. I, I'm going to continue. I know I'm, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, but I'm going to continue to lobby for this to be put in the Journal of Psychological Disorders, the DSM, Trump derangement syndrome, because it's ruining people's lives. It's ruining the people's lives that have it, and it's ruining our lives because we have to deal with this stuff. And we have to live in this world with these people who make our lives miserable who destroy our country by stomping on the Constitution. People in very powerful positions stomping on the Constitution. This is what someone, there was a politician who's a Democrat on, on TV yesterday, and he said something that was very striking to me. They had asked him if he was going to vote for Biden, if he was going to support Biden. And he laughed and he said, we'll have to see. But he said, Democrats are turning me into a Republican. He said, I want the Democrats to know. They're turning me into a Republican. Well, the Democrats and this Trump derangement syndrome that they all have, they have really turned me into an incredible proponent. I've always been a proponent of the First Amendment, but even more so now, even more so. But the Second Amendment, which I have talked about on the show several times in my previous days, pre-COVID, I was very much uh, a Second Amendment, I wouldn't say denier. Yeah, in a way, in a way. I, I would I would mess around with the language, right? The language there, which is a well-regulated militia, and I would always say militia means military, militia means army, and therefore not the regular people. I, I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that anymore. I don't believe that was the intent of the founding fathers to say only. In fact, it goes against everything the founding fathers were about, right? Which is being able to avoid government tyranny. So why would the founding fathers? who were against government tyranny, right? The tyranny of the British, right? The tyranny of authoritarianism. Why would they say only the powerful could have guns? Only the, it doesn't make any sense. Once again, if you, have, if you have uncommon sense, that doesn't make any sense that the founding fathers who just written the First Amendment would write the, sec, the First Amendment saying the government cannot infringe at all on this, on freedom of speech, on freedom of the press, to all of a sudden say only the government can have guns. That doesn't make any sense logically whatsoever. And now, of course, after what's happened during COVID, seeing how it was handled here, how they're able to do this in China where they can lock people down with no, and they have no repercussions, they have no way to defend themselves, fight their way out of it. I am totally against, I'm totally for being able to fight government tyranny and the idea of the Second Amendment being there so people can defend themselves, not just against low-level crime. And of course, the founding fathers would never have envisioned crime the way it is now, right? That we have to defend ourselves against all these scumbags on the streets. Come on. So it, it, to defend ourselves against the average scumbag on the street and to, of course, have some kind of deterrent against a tyrannical government taking over our lives. So I'm, I'm totally for the Second Amendment now. I'm totally for the Second Amendment. And, you know, I once again, I used to react just the way the left wing reacts when there's a mass shooting. I used to say, oh, there's another example of why the Second Amendment has to be, you know, they have to get rid of it, but not anymore. 
not anymore. These are these are horrible things that we have to deal with. They're they're terrible, you know, uh, um, casualties of, of basically. I think more of a society where people don't value each other's lives anymore. We've always had the Second Amendment. Now, that's another thing. We've always had the. I don't want this to get into a Second Amendment show, but we've always had the Second Amendment, right? We've always had these incredible. For a long time now, we've had these these weapons of mass destruction, guns, but it's just lately. It's over the last decade or two that we've dealt, we've had these crazy mass shootings, these young kids going insane. So it's not about the Second Amendment. It's not the, about the availability of guns. There's a lot more to it. There's the psychology. There's the, you know, the, there's the, there's the, the loss of, of, of regard for human life. That has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It goes much deeper than, than anything that we can just talk about in a few minutes on this show. So basically, bottom line is I now support the Second Amendment more than ever before. And the Constitution. I support the Constitution. Every single amendment in the Constitution I support, and I believe that if people want it altered, they must go through the process that was put in there by the Founding Fathers. That's why it's very difficult. You can do it. There have been amendments. You can change things. You go through the legal process. You can't just stamp on it. You can't just be a lawyer or a fucking techie at Twitter and say, I, I'm, I'm going to stomp on this because I believe it's still the right thing to do because Trump is, is Trumpy Trump and Trump and Trump and Trump. But Trump, but Trump, but Trump. Because there'll always be a but somebody. There'll be but the next guy, the next person, five years from now, ten years from now. The Constitution is the Constitution that must be abided by. And there are times when people on the left are going to feel uncomfortable with it. There'll be a times when people on the right are made uncomfortable by it, but it doesn't matter. It needs to be abided by down the line, straight, without any interference by anybody. So that's Twitter Files Part 8. I'm waiting for Twitter Files Part 9 because I'm really hoping that we get to the, we get to the Fauci files soon. I, I, you know, I appreciate very much these Twitter files about the FBI and and the Hunter Biden laptop and, and Trump being taken off Twitter and the and the Pentagon. I, it's great. This transparency is fantastic. It shed light on a lot of stuff that we knew was happening. But I'm ready for the Fauci stuff. I think we're all ready for the Fauci stuff. We're ready for it. And uh, very important because I believe, you know, in a few weeks, the Republicans are going to want to start, you know, subpoenaing people and getting. And I think any information they have is better. Any real evidence emails, exchanges they have uh, will be better to make their case. So, okay, I'm going to make do a last call here for for callers. If you want to talk about anything I've spoken about or anything you want to talk about, um, I'm going to do the show tomorrow night. I know it's Christmas Eve Eve. I'm hoping people listen. I'll be on tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, Friday night on Christmas Eve Eve, the 23rd, to do a show. Uh, I'm hoping... You know, it's not a holiday. Christmas Eve Eve is not a holiday, right? Well, neither is the day after Christmas, but this year it is. But Christmas Eve Eve is not a holiday. People do their last-minute shopping, hopefully to be online while they're listening to this show. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess we'll talk about whatever, you know, whatever you want to talk about. But maybe we'll also do something where if you want to call in tomorrow, if you want to do it a little bit lighter, it's going to be Christmas Eve Eve. We'll talk about the usual stuff. But if you want to talk about maybe your favorite – if you want to call in tomorrow – I'll have a couple of movie reviews. I'll have The Whale and, uh, and Babylon. But if you want to call in tomorrow and tell me what your favorite Christmas movie is, and let's not just say Die Hard, okay? I know Die Hard is a favorite for a lot of people. And we can debate probably for 80 shows if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. But if you want to call in tomorrow night and talk about your favorite Christmas movie, your favorite Christmas song, 
your favorite Christmas TV show, whatever it may be, then feel free. We can we can have a light we can have a semi light night on Christmas Eve. Eve, okay. Looks like what, Alexei, did you want to Alexei, Alexei, Alexei? That's something like Doctor Strangelove. Yes, Alexei. I know. Okay, here we go. Alexei, how are you? You're on, and let's be heard. Hey, sorry, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. My bad, sorry. It's my first time calling in, so oh, I'm not. Well, welcome, 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 welcome. Thanks. Oh yeah, Alexei. Yeah, well, I'm Russian. That's why. Um, <laughs> yeah, good. One of my best friends is Russian. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. I was just curious. What do you mean by the Trump derangement syndrome? You mean that the like the way the liberals, well, news in general, reacted to Trump candidacy? Oh, not just Trump's candidacy, but everything Trump. I mean, oh, the way they shape everything they believe, on. every narrative they, every narrative they spread based on the fact that it's all based on on Trump hate. You know, and well, I don't think it was necessarily Trump, uh, like him personally. I think it was because he was an outsider, basically, to the political, uh, you know, environment, whatever. Yeah. The, the, oh, that's a, that's an element that goes into Trump. I mean, there are many elements that go into the hatred of Trump and Trump derangement syndrome. And one of them was obviously the outsider thing. Now, the outsider thing, I think, is more of a um, I, I think that's more a result of the establishment, right? The establishment doesn't like any outsiders. This is why people compared that's Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump, because they were both yeah. seen as outsiders, right? And the establishment doesn't like the establishment likes their people, right? Their club, you know. Well, whether yeah, I mean, if you're real, I mean, if we're like being real here, you know, all media is controlled by rich men. You know, it's not really democracy or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not, absolutely true. They may that's not true. have like you know like Soviet style. <laughs> list of you know do not say terms whatever but there's like self-censorship going on definitely oh of course i, I like to say now we have more of you know uh, chinese communist party kind of censorship and authoritarianism um but you know i i you know i, I can imagine do you live in russia or are you are you in the states no i'm in the states i've been here since like 2008 or something okay so you've been here since 2008 like so yeah, yeah. So, do you have any? I don't mean to get you into the this this a rabbit hole about about Ukraine, but do you have any opinion on Ukraine and Russia since you're from I Russia? Definitely do. I was born in Kharkiv, which is the second biggest city in Ukraine. You know, but I spend most of my life in Russia. So, yeah, I definitely have an opinion on that. Well, I could ask you your opinion, but I want to ask you directly: Do you think there's a lot more? to the story and the conflict in the history than most Americans know, that they're being told by the American press? Well, I mean, I think in general, Americans don't really care so much about, like, the world really around them, you know? I mean, they're, you know, like, it, it was really weird to me when the Ukraine happened, because, like, it's been going on since 14, mm -hmm. you know, 2014, and, like, people just jumped on the bandwagon, and it seems like they're still there, like, you know, you were talking about the the files, you know, uh, that are being unclassified. Like, there's national security archives. You know, there's like freaking transcripts of doc, uh, diplomatic uh, talks and like all that stuff's like unclassified. You could like easily go look that up. You know, yeah. No one bothers. Like, you know, it's like in Soviet Union, they you know they hid information from you, and here like they hide it in plain sight. Yeah, they hide it in plain sight. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Now, do when it comes to, I, I, once again, I know you've been here for what, fourteen years now, fifteen years. So I don't want you to speak for everybody in Russia. I don't expect you to, but 
do, do your, is your sense that most people in Russia are are on the side of their president? They believe in this conflict. Are they are they more on the side of the Ukrainians? Do the people in Russia? I know it's so close. I mean, a lot of people have relatives, right? I mean, it's, it's basically the yeah. same thing. So it's almost like a civil war, isn't it? I mean, so aren't, aren't there people in Russia who have kind of mixed feelings about this? Well, um, the vast majority of people have had mixed feelings at first, at least. And a lot of people left and a lot of... Because, uh, I mean, all people people that work in, like, news and media and, like, um, you know, that have contact with Western counterparts, yeah. they kind of take on more of a Western outlook because they're involved in that world more um, right. than domestic. So, at first, people were really... You know, no one was like, you know, rooting, oh, yeah, let's go kill him or something. You know, no one was like that. Um, but uh, as it kind of started going on and they saw how much, like, you know, really not not true information is being put out by the, you know, the media and the reaction from, from everyone in the West, they kind of realized that it's not really about the specific conflict. It's more about, like, you know, they are fighting kind of NATO, basically, not just Ukraine, in their opinion. Right, the NATO because element. But that's, the, the, you, that's something that... Because, yeah, the reaction from, the, from everyone else outside the country was very one-sided. Like, they didn't even try to kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, like neutrally sort of uh, review the situation and kind of find a solution, you know? Yeah, so the NATO thing is something that the American media, the legacy media, doesn't talk about much as much as the, you know, the whole idea of of of, of the uh, intimidation by that, right? Of of they could this country could have very much said from the get go, we don't support Ukraine getting. You know, Ukraine could have said we're not going to get into NATO, right? And and that would have that would have taken care of a lot of this. So there was a there was indeed, I believe, once again, this is not talked about here much. You can't talk about this if you say that there was some kind of intimidation there. With Ukraine going into NATO and NATO spreading, right? <laughs> that if you say that, if you say that might have been one of the problems Putin had, right? If we had just made it clear that it wasn't yeah, going to happen, right, away. right? This this never would have happened. But when you say that here, you're you're, you're a Putin lover. They label you a, a Russia a Putin lover. Yeah. You know, as stupid as that sounds, I mean, it's incredibly stupid. But people will say that, you know. Well, I mean, you, I mean, it's pretty crazy when you know. Henry Kissinger comes out of retirement, like almost a hundred years old, and starts talking. Hey, like maybe we should like chill, chill on us a little bit, you know? The yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Ran the, you know, how many Vietnamese we killed this week is like a good, good uh, progress report, basically, like mm. how to track, you know, how well we're doing in Vietnam. Like he's not a humanitarianist in any like sense of the word, you know. No, uh, and he's the one talking. The one you know talking, like, "Hey, uh, maybe you guys are going too crazy with this." Yeah, in fact, didn't Anthony Bourdain say something like, "He's been to Cambodia, and if you've been to Cambodia, you you want to strangle, uh, you want to you'll want to strangle uh, Kissinger to death." You know, so yeah. you, what you're yeah, talking about is right. You're not talking about exactly an anti-war guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, he's a guy who's like a psychopath. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, many people would not, say not, so, not yeah. in the way that he's going to go and kill people, but in the way he like views human life. You know, uh, to him, I, it's, it's, as a pawn, as pawns. Yeah, of course. You know, in a in a chess game called war. Yeah, of course. There's no there's no there's no doubt about that. You know, but. Uh, yeah, no, look, the, the media here, once again, they're not going to give the full side of anything. They're not going to talk about what may have prompted 
Putin to do this. All they want to say is he's doing it because he's a maniac narcissist who wants to take over Europe. And of course, yes. that's so simplistic and stupid. But people here believe that. People here believe well, that's, that. That's yeah. That's I mean, I'm not so much like confused by the media, you know, being biased. But I'm really surprised that like like the public, you know, they they're, they're not really interested. Like, you know, they say they care for Ukraine and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But like, if you care about an issue, you'd probably like research it or something, you know, well, find out what's going on. And what the media what, what the media does here so well is they play into the simplistic thinking. People think in, in, in terms of like movies oh, yeah. of good, of good guys and bad guys, game, right? Yeah. So he's like a bad guy in a movie. Putin's like a bad guy yeah. in an espionage movie, a, a terrible dictator leader. And that's how well, American people, that's how the media actually, presents it. If you think it. about it, can Say you again? think of any movie where like Russians were the good guys? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Actually, you know. I just made fun of your name. I love your name, by the way. But Alexei, because Alexei is the name of the president in, in Dr. Strangelove, who Peter Sellers talks to, Alexei. And if you look at Dr. Strangelove, actually, the Russians are the good guys there, right? Well, I, I'm struggling to recall. I, I know it's an, old, it's an old movie, but you should see it because in yeah, that film, it's actually the Americans who make the mistake. Right. The American government, the American government that makes the mistake of putting fighter pilots over Russia, thinking – that the Russians have been the aggressors when they haven't is a mistake in, in communication. And so it's the American government that's trying to contact the Russian government, Peter Sellers, in very funny performance, who tries to contact the, the Russian president saying, we're sorry we've done this. How do we make it right? So in the, actually in that film, in that film, in Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove, I could think of the Russians as being kind of the, the if you want to call them the good guys or the victims. But many films since the 60s, if you go since the 60s, of course, fail safe. Yeah, that's. But if you if you go since the sixties, no, the, the espionage films, the Russians are always bad. They're always bad. Well, I mean, even like when you have like uh, what was that movie? It was Schwarzenegger, if it was like a cop or something in Moscow. You know, oh. like even if they are a good guy, they'll like a dumb brute or something, or you know, some conniving <laughs> dude. You know? Like was it? What, what was the one with the Russian Rocky Four? Right? Was it Rocky Four? No, yeah. I'm talking. There's a movie with Schwarzenegger where he was like a cop or something. Uh, well, Schwarzenegger yeah, the was the cop in a few movies. Kindergarten. I know Kindergarten Cop. I don't think that's well, the one think, you're talking like, about. Cop, yeah, yeah no, no. But uh, uh, most of our major action stars have been in films where the plots have Russians as the bad guys. I mean, it's it's constant. You know, it's constant. You know, so that's right. That that also ties into the American psyche, right? Well, of how they see I mean, like, of how they, they see they Russia. Like sure. Simple kind of like uh, what do you call it? Uh, like stereotypes, you know. Uh, very, very much so. Yeah, of course. There's, there's no doubt about it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And that, well, that that really played into, yes, that that played into the American psyche and the Americans' hatred for Russia. When getting out to the movies to see the Americans destroy Russia, kill Russia, you know, dominate Russia, beat the bad guy, and that all plays in. You're 100 percent right. I didn't even think about bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up. That plays into the psyche of it's very black and white. And this well, is a this is a this is a villain. Think, this is a movie villain, Vladimir Putin. Well, yep. I mean, the reason I'm bringing it up is because you know Trump is similarly. You know, they just put him into a frame, and that's what he is. And everyone, where he kind of has like a concept, you know, like a different kind of uh, types of people that you know they categorize people into. And like once they stick him in the bad guy, you know, everyone's kind of already primed to see him that way. 
Absolutely. Yes, it's a full court propaganda thing. It's a full court press and, yeah, propaganda. Yeah, I think the problem started like probably around the time Soviet Union collapsed because like mm. I think part of it is education, you know, like no child mm. left behind, like really dumb people down. Yeah. And now like there's no really news shows or you know debate shows where you have two points of view. People are just like not even really used to using I've, their I've talked about that. There was a time not too long ago where they would have like a point counterpoint kind of thing, right? Where they have a, yeah. it was crossfire. CNN has something called crossfire which had yeah. someone on the right and someone on the left and they had different people coming in. That's gone now because yeah, they, 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 they don't, don't have like the other yeah. side, but they'll bring someone that's dumb. You know, they can't really defend the point just to like, actually MSNBC will do that. They'll have the token right winger who's an idiot yeah. and they all dominate them. They'll have a round table of eight people and they'll have one token moron right winger who can't express their opinion. And, and, and actually an Fox, extra... Fox is kind of, Guilty of that too. Yeah, if they like get an expert, usually the whole there. segment is like five minutes long, and they'll cut them off like as soon as they start <laughs> right. exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, no, it's that <clears throat> there is no fairness anymore. And 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 when they when I say fairness, people think, oh, that's boring. No, it's not. These point counterpoint shows I found to be very interesting. You know, well, I mean, with, with I actual real debate. In the world, I don't think even Hitler was like, oh yeah, I'm the bad guy. I want to kill Jews. You know. Like he, he wasn't like his point was like he didn't want Jews there. Like he let them escape at first, you know, and like the, he didn't just like lock them all up and start murdering them, you know. How can what, I, I'm, what I'm saying is, there's always any kind of uh, you know debate or disagreement. Well, there's, 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 the, there's the opinion. Side. There's the opinion some people have. These are usually psychologists who believe that people don't wake up being bad. People don't wake up and say, "I'm going to kill people today. I'm going to do something bad today." However. There are psychological elements that lead them to become sociopathic, psychopathic, narcissistic, which lead to things. So it could be a it could be a, a kernel of something that develops into something that becomes malignant. And I think that's what you can when you talk about people like Hitler and, and dictators like that. Who, well, let's who say Stalin who, who, and who Hitler, were, right? Let me just get this out. Who were responsible for the mass murder of people mm -hmm. that falls into that category of people who became incredible narcissists sociopaths who not once again talking about people who probably people who probably shouldn't be running countries well i i don't know i i mean i don't know i mean people with the psychological profile where they probably shouldn't have that kind of power but unfortunately people in in power usually have those kinds of psychological profiles it's usually what propels them to be able to win people over to get to that kind of power you see so that that's that's the issue with that it's kind of a catch-22 there those people end up in power because their sociopathic abilities are the ability to win people over through lies and deception, and they're able they have that power over people. It's like a cult leader. Well, they're all sociopaths. Empathy to to like have charisma, really. So the opposite of psychopathy. Yeah. Well, they all have, but no, but sociopaths have a lot of charisma. That's part of 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 the sociopathic well, psychological profile. These people are outgoing. They're very outgoing. They're charismatic. They're able to draw people in, and that's that's what we've seen through dictatorial, you know, authoritarian regimes throughout time. They're all very. What leader? What dictatorial authoritarian leader like a Hitler or or a Mussolini do you know of that you can think of that was a boring person that gave boring speeches? None of them. They all had these very outgoing, extroverted personalities. They were able to draw people in. That's what makes them so dangerous. 
You know, if it was just a little nerdy guy who talked like no one would fucking leave, no one would give a shit. No one would follow them. No one would follow them. So I think that's a mistake we made with that's a mistake a lot of people made with Donald Trump is that they believe because he gave these great speeches that draw these people in that he was obviously a crazy lunatic because he had this power to to dominate all these minds and get them on his side. But so did Bernie Sanders. And I don't think either of them you would classify as I would never classify either of them as sociopaths, as dictators. I just think they came from and you, you, you said this at the beginning. They just anti-establishment at a time when people were craving anti-establishment. People are tired of the same old, same old shit from politicians. And, you know, in comes Trump and Bernie, basically at the same time in 2016, the same year. And they were able, people more towards the right, rotated towards Trump, people more towards the left, rotated towards Bernie. To tell you the truth, as far as president, I don't want to see either of them as president. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, I was a Bernie supporter twice, and I certainly would not want to see him be president now. And I, did, I don't want Trump to be president again. So I don't think either of them should be president, despite the fact that they give good speeches and they say a lot of things that make sense and they say a lot of things that people like and people go see them because they're charismatic. And, and, and that's, that's all good stuff. That's all very entertaining. But as far as their politics, their leadership abilities, their, you know, their, their, their effectiveness as leaders, I wouldn't want to see either of them leading this country. Yeah. Were, you, were you a Trump supporter? Alexei, you there? Oh, I think we I'm lost. Here. I think not. I listen once I hear the wake word. Listen to that. I said his name and she came on. You know who I'm talking about, Alexa, right? Alexi, are you there? Okay, I think we lost. I think we lost Alexi. I'll, I'll, well, okay. If you want to come back on, if you happen to come back, but I think we lost you there. Um, but yeah, once again, I, I think both sides throw out the name Hitler too much. They do, yeah. And and the, the left was very very irresponsible with that when it came to Donald Trump. Very irresponsible when it came to Donald Trump. Of, of of doing that, you know, <clears throat> and I think you know, Trump derangement syndrome was so prevalent. You heard that a lot from the left, right? You heard about the, uh, uh, you know, Trump being Hitler, the next Hitler. It was it's it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. But when you look at certain things that the left has done, like the censorship and the the, the the, the collusion between a private company, a social media company, and big government. These are, these are fascist things. These are fascist things that step on the Constitution, and they're not what this country is about. They're what you'd expect to happen and does happen in places like China and the old Soviet Republic, the old Soviet Union. And it's not, it should not happen here, and we shouldn't stand for it to happen here, and we shouldn't take any of their bullshit excuses and saying it's conspiracy theorists and all this stuff they say to get around the reality of it and these terms they use right like conspiracy these, these terms they use these pavlov's bells terms pavlovian terms they use to 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 make the left take their side right to get the left going to get the left energized these pavlovian terms maga conspiracy theorists white supremacists 
Proud Boys, all this bullshit. And yet, of course, they love Antifa, right? It's, you know, once again, we know how hypocritical the left is. All right, I think we're going to end the show there. I'm sorry we lost Alexei, but feel free to call back tomorrow. Once again, this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. I will be on tomorrow night, Christmas Eve Eve, to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And if you want to call in and talk about your favorite Christmas movie or whatever it may be, you're welcome to do that. Also, we'll spend the night together. Um, the name of this show is And Let's Be Heard. And I'm Micah Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow night.